0: Hello and welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So, pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 95 and today's episode, Glass Children, is something you may not have quite heard of yet. So, when I first heard this term, and I literally only found out about it about a week ago, I assumed that it meant children who were very fragile The the definition is actually very, very different. And it refers not to a child who's fragile and breakable, but actually a child that might appear strong. Yeah, big emphasis on the appear. Glass children generally refer to children who are growing up with a sibling who requires a disproportionate amount of time by their parents in terms of parenting energy and parenting child. So this may be a child that has a physical Disability, or it may be a child with an emotional disability. Maybe it's a child that's struggling with behavioural issues, or they're struggling to manage their big emotions, or they've got mental health issues, or they're experiencing a significant illness. The notion here is that the the reason why the term is coined "glass child" is that children who are the sibling um, of a child who's taking up a disproportionate amount of their parental energy can almost feel like they are. Gloss, as in parents see through them rather than actually seeing them and then responding to their needs so this is going to be quite a delicate subject and for some of you this may be quite triggering so take care of yourselves pause if you need to come back to the episode as and when i think what i want to try and do the reason why i felt that it was important to do this is that having done a bit further research the term's been around for a little while But it has started trending across social media by teens and children themselves who have began referring to themselves in that way. And I think what I would say initially is that, remember, and I've often talked about it, a glass child is a label that children have given themselves. It's their perception of their childhood, how they have experienced their childhood. So we mustn't diminish their experience and we must also not overplay a guilt and responsibility that we have. There are things that we could do and there are things that we should be mindful of, much in the same way as I've professed quite often that I'm one of three siblings. I am a middle child and and. You know, we've got glass children, we've got middle children, we've got eldest children, we've got young children. So there are always going to be elements and characteristics around the birth order that you have and the family circumstances that you have. But I do think given the growing number of children who are struggling to manage big emotions, the number of children who are struggling to manage their mental health, I would anticipate we will have more and more children who will grow up into adults, maybe even in their teens, and refer to themselves very much using that term. And I want us to be, as parents, I want us to feel empowered. I want us to feel that we can do something and that we can become aware. Hence why I felt the real need to do this podcast. So you may be listening to this without a significant need you may be listening to this and thinking oh my goodness me you are absolutely talking about my family dynamic either way I want you to sort of take something away that you can implement within your family however wherever stage you're at because I think that there's some real benefits to some of the principles that I'm going to talk to you about so I think first of all we really want to consider some of the characteristics that we may see in a child who would subsequently label themselves as a glass child and quite often these children and you know we need to reflect also about do we currently feel that we are spending a disproportionate amount of time with one of our children does one child take a disproportionate amount of time because they struggle to fall asleep at night maybe they require a disproportionate amount of time because they're struggling to do their schoolwork or they've got a mental health issue or they've got a physical disability or a serious illness that requires our time. I think that's the kind of the first port of call. And remember that when we're talking about labelling ourselves as a glass child, maybe when you listen to this, you may then subsequently think, my goodness me, that is referring to my childhood. You know, an adult now and I'm referring back to my childhood in that way. What's really important to remember is... It's about how that individual, how that child perceives themselves in that situation. So we have to always, you know, we've talked previously before about this idea about the seesaw and how our children can sometimes feel overwhelmed and their seesaw is out of balance. It's not to do with how things are in terms of the realities in terms of what we see but it's much more to do with how our children perceive these things so it's really important when we start looking at this at the kind of things that we can do to help and support to bear that in mind because they may not be the amount of time that we're spending with a sibling over something that is generally very day-to-day may still mean that we have a child another child that then views themselves as this glass child so let's we just need to hold that that doesn't mean that's not about apportioning blame it's not saying that as a parent you are failing it is simply saying as a parent we need to become aware of how our children may well be perceiving these particular situations so let's talk characteristically what are the characteristics of a typical glass child and i've just written a few So they tend to be quite adult like in their maturity. Now, clearly, if you've got an adult-like child who's very mature, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a glass child. We have to have the context in which this dynamic is playing out within a family. So they tend to be adult-like and they're often more mature relative to their peers. They take on responsibilities in ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect. They're very sensitive to the needs of their parents and also to their needs of the sibling as a result of the challenge that is occurring at home, they tend to view themselves very much as caretakers. They're doing what they need to do. They can often be quiet and they can be very aware that their needs are less pressing than that of their sibling. So they will often forego things for them, in the best interests of their siblings. So these are some of the characteristics that you may already see being played out if you have a dynamic within your family of a child who takes a disproportionate amount of energy from you. So those are the characteristics what do we need to do? What are the best things that we can do? How can we best support a child if we suspect that there's an element of this going on at home? Or we want to prevent it. We're aware that we've got a child that is currently going through some particular challenges. And we know that that is going to require a disproportionate amount of our time and our parental energy. So we want to make sure we put the, places, the steps in place for that. So I've come up with six. The first one, and this is really, well, they're all crucial, but I think as a starting point, do not take for granted that they are doing okay because they tell you so. It's really important... If we think about the characteristics of this stoic adult-like maturity, sees that their needs are less pressing than that of their siblings, they will forego things, they're very emotionally sensitive to what is going on, they don't want to layer on any additional guilt, they don't want you to feel bad. So don't take for granted that just because they've said that they're okay, that they are. So it's about being aware of that and digging deep. And it's not about interrogating children. You know, I talk about this even if it's not necessary to do with the glass children, but just generally. It's not about the interrogation, but it's about creating time and space regularly for them to feel that they've got some form of platform, some opportunity to be able to talk and also chipping away at the comments that we make around I know that this is really difficult I can't I know that it means that we are taken away quite often and we're not available time-wise and it feels you can't come and talk to us so I want you to know that I'm aware of that and we're, we are trying to do as best we can and I want you to know that it's really important that you can speak you can communicate you can tell us when things become difficult so don't take for granted because i think if you operate from that assumption you will naturally look for opportunities when they present themselves and do not be afraid to offer and seek out professional help if they need it it's just another platform in which that they're able to communicate and to discuss feelings that they may have with others that may feel similarly. So the first one really is that framework and that basic sort of grounding aspect of not taking that they're doing okay for granted. The second one is show them that you love them unconditionally. Now of course you may be thinking oh that's ridiculous Marianne of course I'm doing that. What I would say is if you've got a class child who's very sensitive that the needs of their sibling are more pressing than theirs, if they're very sensitive to your needs as a parent, if they're viewing their role as very much a caretaker, that they're adult-like in their maturity, then they will feel that their role, the role that has been created by accident, not of their making, not of their choosing, is to be strong, kind, good, mature, sensitive and all in relation to the sibling that is struggling and having difficulties, then it is so important that when we show them that loving unconditionally, that when we compliment them, when we praise them, when we tell them how grateful we are for them, that that is based around them as an individual rather than the behaviours that reinforce the characteristics of a class child. So let me just say that again in a slightly different way just so that you're clear if I've defined myself because of this role that's been played out because of the circumstances within my family that I need to act in a particular way because that is what's required of me given the circumstances if we complement our children in that area we just reinforce that role and what we want to do more than anything with a glass child They feel that they're being seen through, that they're transparent, that we look right through them. So what we want to be doing when we're showing them love, when we're praising them, is we're praising them for the individual that they are apart from the dynamics within the family, apart from this mature, caring, thoughtful, awareness of other people's needs, caretaker, individual. So it's really crucial that we make time now of course we're going to praise them and be very grateful that they've been patient and waited for us to give them their time or to take them to school or to give them that hug or to read that book or to watch that movie of course we're going to do that but it's being present-minded as best we can in those moments that we can remember to show them our love through the words and deeds that we do that are related to them as an individual to their sporting prowess to their love of fiction to their love of movies to their theatrics and their drama to their funny laugh to their competitiveness in a game of cards really think about how can I nurture and praise and and sort of glorify the aspects of who the characteristics that they are as an individual that is completely separate to the family circumstances and the family dynamics which are playing out so that's a really important one Number three is communication. And communication is crucial along many different levels. Communication is crucial to acknowledge that you know that the time is being disproportionately allowed. Communication is crucial to allow children who, you know, glass children to understand what is happening and why there's being a need for certain things to be happening so that they're being kept in the loop. Communication in terms of reaching out and checking in on their needs And communication is crucial to also be able to communicate, you know, how you're doing as well. It's not about encouraging our caretaker glass children to then caretake for us. But it is important that we have communication, that those communication channels are open and not just within the family, that communication is open so our children can then speak to other children, other families, relatives, their support network at their sort of educational setting whatever that is communication is crucial and communication around feelings and overwhelm and the strategies to manage those feelings are also really really important so it's this let's just recap the first three before we move on to the next three is you know don't take for granted that just because our children are say that they're doing okay that they are they're not create space create opportunity drip feed say that you know that it's difficult say that you know it must be affecting them and that you're always there as a listening ear number two is showing them that you love them unconditionally in ways that amplify and acknowledge and glorify the fundamental character traits that they have inherent in who they are as an individual that is completely separate to the identity and the role that they play out at home communication is really crucial so let's move on to the next three. So four, remember, you don't have to give each child equal time. It's about need. So if you remember, if you go back to the podcast episode, I did it quite a while ago now, it would have been around sibling harmony. You know, it's not about being able to apportion ourselves and cut ourselves up like a slice of pizza, like a slice of cake, equally amongst our the number of children that we have that just simply isn't possible when we've got a child who requires more time and attention it may well be that that's a, almost like a permanent scenario or it might just be one that is happening because of a particular age and stage that they're going through but it is also remembering that we apportion our time based on need and this needs also needs to be balanced with individual time for the child who isn't currently in crisis now, for your glass child. It is really crucial that they have time with you apart from their sibling, not because they sh- don't like their sibling, but they need to be able to experience and to nurture and to grow their character their individual character what makes them them beyond the role that they felt they've needed to step into because of the circumstances that are currently playing out within your family home so it is really crucial that that is that you do that regularly and that goes back to communication goes back to number three and that you communicate that in advance you always have the next date the next activity the next series whatever that might be that you're doing of that one-to-one time and that that is communicated so that this they have that opportunity and some of you may well be listening to this that are currently dealing with some quite significant amount of being disproportionate amount of support you're having to do for for one of your children might be thinking Han, that's so much easier said than done it's about being creative can others can you extend Family support, friends support, so that you're able to have that one to one time. And the thing is, the time that you invest doing that and the creativity that you have in order to do that will offset and will mitigate any potential issues that glass children may subsequently suffer from and have issues with later. We need to make sure that we carve out that one to one time. So if you've got a child who just struggles to manage big emotions and you seem to be walking on eggshells constantly having to manage everything from waking up to getting dressed to going to school to homework to bedtime to coming off devices you know and then there's this huge exhale of breath at the end of the day can you be creative and create some one-to-one time with a sibling once the other has gone to bed can you do it that way can you create other ways in that the Child that's taking a disproportionate amount of time because they're managing big emotions. Can they stay on at school a little bit longer? Can a friend collect them? Can they go for a play date? It's really thinking creatively, how can I nurture? How can I support this child who is currently feeling that their needs are not being met by giving them that one-to-one time? So that would be number one. It's making sure we have to accept that we can't split ourselves up equally with our children and that we have to respond to need and we also need to make sure that those needs are balanced they're not going to be balanced in terms of time There's still going to be that disproportionate mix but what you're doing is you're responding to the to the glass child's needs by giving them that one-to-one time too number five is address the elephant in the room regularly don't ignore the issue don't allow resentments to build up by not acknowledging that it must be tricky and that you understand that sibling A is taking up a disproportionate amount of time, that they must feel that they're not loved or that they're ignored or they just have to be good. It's really acknowledging that. And sometimes parents think but by doing that, we're creating a problem. But actually, we're simply addressing what 99% of children who will call themselves glass children already feel. And what you're actually doing is you're speaking their language, you're speaking directly to them, you're acknowledging how it feels for them, you're stepping into their world and making them know that they're not invisible, that they're not transparent, that we're not seeing through them, that we see them. We can begin, at least at some level, to empathise with their pain and their difficulties and their challenges and that we really are trying our best to do as best we can in those scenarios, so it's really making sure that we regularly acknowledge that, and it is—it's that elephant in the room. But making sure that we acknowledge that regularly, and the final one is—is is a big one because this requires you to go out into your community and to out into people beyond your family, but within your family, your wider family, your community, your friends, and encourage them to give your, non, your non-crisis child, your glass child, time and attention. And time and attention and praise that is not linked to their role as carer, as sensitive, as quiet, as adult-like. It's really encouraging them to be aware of how it must feel for your child. So it may be that you only get that one-to-one time with your glass child once a week. But your friends and family may have contact with your child. Well, friends, family and the wider community will have contact with your child almost daily. They can then be topping that up. They can be affirming that whether they go and they have regular play dates, whether they're able to stay with friends, whether they're able to stay with family, whether they're able to go on trips. But just some sense that their needs are being met and valued by everybody and you're coming together collectively it's this whole idea it takes a village to raise a child we're all working together but that requires a little bit of vulnerability from us that requires us to have difficult conversation with friends about the realities of what it's how that disproportionate amount of time is playing out at home and i would say that that probably is much more difficult when The challenge is not so visible to others. So some of you will be listening that will have a child that consumes a huge amount of yours and your partner's time at home, but maybe your family and friends don't know. Maybe you feel embarrassed. Maybe you feel ashamed that you're not able to manage. Maybe you've got a child who lashes out with big emotions or a child who's really struggling with their mental health that you've not had conversations about or a child who has an addiction and you haven't had that conversation but the reality is if you continue and as parents, if we continue to try and do, keep things behind closed doors and not communicate and not share and not offload some of that burden by having conversations with people, what happens is it has a negative effect on everybody. You can't be present for the child who needs you disproportionately and the child who is doing OK are glass children are then feeling unsupported and unheard because of our pride, because of our difficulties, saying, do you know what, right now, parenting isn't easy. Life at home isn't great. I don't really look forward to going home. I'm not enjoying being a parent. You know, these are honest conversations because I can tell you now quite categorically in the years that I have been working with families, these challenges affect every. Type of family conceivable. From the families that we think on the outside have everything, are leading the most perfect lives. They are struggling in exactly the same way as those where the challenges might be obviously external. Maybe the child is having difficulties and parents are being asked to come into school often and it's very obvious that there's issues. We really have to take this stigma away. We have to start talking. We have to start communicating. If not for us, then for our children, so we can make sure that everybody gets the support they need. So I hope that that episode was useful. Please do feel free to write in and share your own experiences or any questions that you might have, because I, I know this is probably for some of you listening, is going to be hugely triggering and hugely emotional and might really have quite a big profound effect on you and i think the more open we are about these conversations the more honest we are the easier parenting can become we don't need to parent quietly behind closed doors putting on that fake smile and saying that everything's okay because it isn't it affects us it affects our well-being as parents and it also affects our children So I do hope you find that useful. We will make the resource of the checklist of the six strategies available as usual in the resource library, drmaryhan.com forward slash resources. You just need to pop in your email address and of course you'll get access to this resource and all the other episode resources as well. And I would just simply say if you have loved this podcast, I would be ever so grateful if you could follow, rate and review the podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So... Until next time.